0: and welcome. We're the Lost Boys. I'm Tandy, joined by Harlan. Say hi, Harlan. Hi, Harlan. And uh, we are doing a full set review of Disney's Locana's Chapter 2, Rise of the Floodborne. Uh, If you missed it, we recently did a full set review for the color amber, and in today's video we're going to be doing the full set of amethyst cards, and uh, we're going to be starting from cheapest to most expensive on ink cost, and uh, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Uh, First up, we're going to be talking about Chip the Teacup, Gentle Soul. This is a 1-cost, 2-2. This is a goon. What do you think about this one, Harlan?
1: I think it is a goon, so it will see some play. I think Archimedes is a mediocre character, so Chip is going to immediately get slotted in (laughs) ahead of Archimedes. And uh, this card potentially has a bright future, whether it gets a big shifter or not.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's important to, to always be looking at characters that you think are important enough in their stories to, to gain a shift. Chip the teacup, probably not, but there's always some magic to be had. And we could see a giant chip the teacup come down. But for the most part, this is just another one of the goons. And these are important for deck building and for, you know, generating sealed decks and stuff as well as starter decks. But uh, overall, I think relatively weak. Uh next up, uh we're going to be talking about I'm Stuck. This is a one cost action featuring Winnie the Pooh. It is inkable and it says it shows an exerted character can't ready at the start of their next turn.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this card previously on some uh other episodes of the podcast. I I as we've seen more cards that are just good, I think this card has fallen further and further outside of the realm of, you know, being a starter in some decks. Uh, you know, I could see it every once in a while, but it's definitely not a card that I'm going to have on my radar very often.
0: Yeah, it's battling pretty hard with Befuddle in that slot for being like utility. And I think that Amethyst having the like broom trick with Befuddle to make sure they never deck out is just better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next up is Croquet Mallet. This is a one cost uninkable item uh, and the ability is called Hurdling Hedgehog. And it says banish this item. Chosen character gains rush this turn. This is something that I've been looking forward to seeing, a one-cost item that can uh, be, you know, essentially sacrificed to give something Rush. What do you think about this one?
1: This card intrigues me a lot as somebody who's played a lot with Pocket Watch, where, you know, you don't necessarily need Pocket Watch to be this late-game engine with your Mickey Mouse uh, Sorcerer and your Broom Package. You just want to give your thing like a Tinkerbell Giant Fairy Rush for a turn and just dumpster your opponent that turn. And this is, you know, the type of card that could maybe be that thing. It does suck that it's uninkable, um, so you really don't want to play a lot of them. But, you know, when you draw it, it's really easy to fit on curve with the thing because this would have cost what the pocket watch activation was anyway.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think that um, it's always interesting to to compare something that is playable and has a similar effect. And we all know that pocket watch is, is great in the Ruby Amethyst late game doing things with heroic outlaw Uh, croquet mallet is a one shot but from my experience using that effect one time is often enough to gain a significant advantage and so now it's going to be looking at whether or not croquet mallet can find more things that work with it other than just the ability itself you know there's all uh, sorts of things like maurice from uh sapphire that Draw a card when you play an item. You know, that type of an effect Mm -hmm. is something that you really want to look at when you are uh, identifying homes for croquet Mallet. Uh, Next up, we're going to be doing uh, Blue Fairy. It's a two-cost inkable, one-one, the quest for one. It has evasive. That's important. Uh, The ability is called Ethereal Glow. And it says, whenever you play a Floodborne character, you may draw a card. Wow!
1: Yeah, so I'm not sure this card is necessarily, like, the the build-around-me kind of card. Um, I think where this card really slots in is, you know, a slightly aggressive Amethyst deck that would want to play this type of card or Pascal anyway, and happens to have a bunch of Floodborne characters. Right. That's where, really, I see a good home for this card, because, you know, building around just Floodborne characters, while that's cool and fun, it usually doesn't lead to having, like, a, a super competitive like, I'm going to win the tournament deck. But, you know, playing a good, aggressive deck that then has a bunch of characters, like, say, you have four good characters, so 16 copies of a card that, you know, you're going to draw a card when it comes into play. That's awesome, especially whenever you draw two blue fairies, then you're drawing two. That is an incredibly strong engine, and this card could be very good as a result.
0: I agree. This is uh, essentially a focal point card where if we ever get enough one, two, and three cost you know, Floodborne characters that are in uh, Amethyst and one other color that you're pairing with it. It's an engine that is hard to stop because it has evasive, so it's questing in the meantime. And without direct removal, you know, some some colors just don't even have removal that can kill this thing uh, outside of things that cost five or more. And so I think that Blue Fairy looks pretty great. I'm just curious why Blue Fairy is in Amethyst and not Sapphire. <laughs> Blue fairy. Alright. Flavor fail. Next up is a new version of hey It's a two cost inkable two one. That's a weird stat line. The quest for one. Uh the ability is He's back when this character is banished in a challenge. Return this card to your hand. Guess what? You can never kill him. Sorry.
1: Todd, I'm gonna need you to uh read the tongue twister you intentionally skipped over, please.
0: What's that? Persistent presence? This is persistent presence. What all right, that? you got it. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I love this card. Uh, I'm probably going to be putting these in a lot of Amethyst decks, even though I shouldn't be. Uh, Moana is my favorite movie. hey, is an amazing character. And this card is not only sweet, but actually pretty good. It's probably just not quite good enough, but uh, that's not going to stop me.
0: Not quite good enough. That. Okay, first of all, this thing never dies, right? It comes back to your hand. It's very cheap. It's inkable. Uh, it has two strengths, so when your opponent challenges it's actually hurting their thing, even if it has higher willpower. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I've seen a lot of aggressive Amethyst decks that want something exactly like this, so I'm going to say that I think this card's going to be good as well. Yeah,
1: the thing I think holding it back is actually uh, like Tinkerbell, Giant Fairy, and Grab Your Sword, which mm-hmm. are already kind of the things you're weak to. This card is very good against le- a deck like you know Amber Sapphire that basically has to be clearing your characters via challenges. But the thing that usually holds these aggro decks back is actually the things that aren't actually killing your characters in challenges. And Hey is very weak to that, while also not putting up a huge threat on the table. So, you know, I'm going to play a lot with it. I hope it's great.
0: Next up, 2-cost uh, Jiminy Cricket, Pinocchio's Conscience. This is a 1-2, the quest for 1, and it's inkable. It also has evasive. I think there's a big push for evasive in the set. Uh, and it says, that still small voice... When you play this character, if you have a character named Pinocchio in play, you may draw a card.
1: Love it. I expect to be playing a lot of Pinocchios, and Jiminy Cricket has, you know, a great stat line where he is a a cheap evasive threat, and a lot of times he's going to draw a card. That is a lot of boxes to check.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, depending on how good the Pinocchios are will greatly affect how good this card is, but... Uh, We'll get to them in a minute, but the Pinocchios actually look quite nice. So, uh, Next up, we're going to be uh, talking about Kuzco, Wanted Llama. This is a two-cost inkable 1-2, the quest for one, with the ability, okay, where am I? When this character is banished, you may draw a card.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's funny. We're seeing so much tension in, like, the two-drop slot in these Amethyst decks, where, you know, I think this card is also pretty good in that it just comes down and you know, it, it provides a little bit of pressure, not very much, but you know, it's reminiscent to me of like a Gramatala in a deck that kind of wants that type of effect more, mm-hmm. where this card is good against those cards like Tinkerbell Giant Fairy, grab your sword and be prepared. Unlike you know, Hey Hey.
0: In magic, we have um, a, a subclass of card that's basically you want to be sacrificing it to do cool abilities. And Cusco Wanted Llama is one of the first few characters that I can recall where uh, you actively want to sacrifice this to something. And so, you know, at some point, I'm sure we'll get a couple of removal spells that are like, spend this amount of ink, sacrifice a character, destroy a bigger character, or whatever. And Cusco fits into that mold perfectly. The only thing that I think would fit better is something that would return itself to play immediately so that it can fuel that thing, that type of thing, multiple times. Uh, but overall, Kuzco quite good and, you know, obviously reminiscent of uh, the Hey Hey we did talk about earlier. Mm-hmm. Next up, the first iteration of Madam Mim. This is the snake. Uh, two costs, 3-3 three, three inkable. Quest for one with the ability just you wait. When you play this character, banish her or return another chosen character of yours to your hand. So when you play this, it dies unless you return another character to your hand.
1: Yeah, this is a great card to be returning Jiminy Cricket with, right? Right, and then as long as you can keep a Pinocchio in play, you, basically your Madam Mim is like generating advantage where it's you know maybe protecting your Jiminy Cricket from their larger evasive character and drawing you a card while playing to the board. That's really good.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, this the the three three stat line is going to be great against things like uh, Protective Cub Simba, uh, the dominated within those early aggressive decks in uh, chapter one constructed and you know the fact that it can bounce something means that we're just going to be looking for things that are good to bounce and we already have a couple and uh, we're going to get a lot more more than likely uh next up we're going to be talking about the first iteration of merlin this one's the squirrel two cost inkable two one quest for one with the ability look before you leap When you play this character and when he leaves play, look at the top card of your deck. Put it on either the top or the bottom of your deck. What do you think about this one?
1: Yeah, I think this card is pretty cool. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of pushed out by the just sheer volume of good two drops we have in Amethyst, Um, especially when you're looking to pair with the second color. But, you know, this is a pretty good ability for, you know, setting up your next couple turns, which is really important in aggressive decks. So, you know, I wouldn't completely count it out, but, you know, I think it's going to be on the outside looking in.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is a Merlin, and Merlin could get some big shifts later, and this is the cheapest of the bunch, but I agree. We have a ton of twos that are just better than this in the set that we've already looked at. I think He-He's better, Jiminy Cricket's likely better if we're going the aggressive route, and if we're going more of the attrition route, the goes better as well, so... Uh, just not really a great home for the Merlin, and the stats aren't really anything to write home about either. Um, Card manipulation, I think, is overvalued right now in the game's engine. A lot of the cards that either look at the top and can put them on the bottom or into your discard pile are often a little more expensive than what I would think would be uh, worth considering to put in your deck, and this Merlin definitely fits that bill where it's just not remotely close to good enough, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Next up, maybe the best card in the set. Uh, this is a very scary one. This is Pinocchio Star Attraction. This is a two-cost, non-inkable, 1-1. One, one, very, very tiny. But a quest for three. Three!
1: Three! That's a lot early. Uh, I certainly would not call this the best card in the set. But I also think everybody will be surprised by what I think is the best card in the set once we get to it. But this card is very strong. Uh, I think this, as I've said before, will have a huge impact on the metagame, whether it is seeing play or not. And I think it's seeing play is actually going to be dictated by how much influence it is having on the metagame, where when people are respecting it, it's not very good and you actually shouldn't be playing it. And whenever people are not respecting it, it's going to be the best thing to be doing.
0: Well, all I know is if you put this into an Amethyst Amber aggro deck, you have Lilo making a wish. You have Maleficent biding her time. And now Pinocchio questing for three. This is a lot of lore generation for a very small ink investment. And if you have some protective elements with Bodyguard, like Protective Cub, some decks just fold on the spot on turn three, I think.
1: Yeah, one thing I'm excited for is I think we might get to a point now with this second chapter that people start to realize how expensive a seven drop really is because there are actual aggressive decks that aren't just trying to you know curve up to five and six with you they're just trying to get you dead without playing a four drop
0: yeah not to sound like too much of a boomer but uh in magic when i first started playing cards were relatively weak all things considered or at the very least um, the synergy between cards was not what it is now uh it was way more about assembling like a five card combo to do something really powerful, or you just play something that was really expensive that was powerful as a standalone nowadays in magic specifically, there are cards that cost two three four that do the equivalent or better than things that used to cost seven eight nine, and that type of power creep is hard to keep up with. But like you said, in chapter one, seven drops, very good and playable carefree surfer, one of the better cards, Um, you know, basically every deck able to play seven drops without much fear of dying before they get to. And now, like you said, maybe that's not the case. Absolutely. Next up pinocchio talkative puppet this is the uh, next iteration of pinocchio this is another two cost uninkable weird that they would put two different pinocchios at two costs and both be uninkable this one's uh, much weaker in terms of uh, lord generation but it has a cool ability It's a one one the quest for one and the ability is telling lies when you play this character you may exert chosen opposing character so a nice little ability comes down exerts your opponent's thing so you can challenge it
1: Yeah, I think this card is really cool. Um, I think this card probably was inkable at one point in its life and probably still needed to be, but also was too good at inkable. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think this card is probably not going to be making the cut just because there are so many good twos and the vast majority of them are inkable. Um, But this card, whenever you are like, oh man, I really just keep losing because... You know, I can't kill their last thing and then turn the corner. This is a card you can look to now,
0: yeah, uh you know we we've seen this ability on the three cost Elsa that can exert itself to an exert opposing character. This can work the turn you play it, so it works in conjunction with things like support really nicely uh so I would see I would say that the two Pinocchios are definitely at odds in what they're trying to do. One is trying to quest for high lore, the other is trying to be a little more interactive. Um, I think that the one that quests for three is significantly stronger in terms of what Amethyst is trying to do most of the time, but certainly a viable option uh, is the one that taps things. Next up, Legend of the Sword and the Stone. This is the two-cost uh, inkable song from Amethyst, and it says, chosen character gains, challenger three this turn.
1: Hooray! No, um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh yeah Challenger is good in that it's a defensive ability, but you know amethyst is not looking like a defensive color these days.
0: It does look like a color that has a ton of small characters, and if a ton of small characters all are squishy, like they come back, they draw a card they they do something. You know, that is where I want to be using characters with support. And Challenger, giving something Challenger is very similar to giving them support. And so I I think that this type of effect is maybe wanted, but not on a one-shot effect and not as a spell that is minus a card. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next up, Perplexing Signpost. This is an item to cost, uninkable. The ability to Wonderland, banish this item, return chosen character of yours to your hand. So pretty similar to the one we saw in Amber last time that was returning things with support. But this is a one shot. It's a little bit cheaper, though. Yeah, so I think
1: this card is going to live and die by what you're trying to pick up with it. Where if you're trying to do something that is, you know, a pretty cheap card that you're not trying to replay immediately. This card is not going to be for you. Um, where if you're trying to do this with like a five drop, this card is going to be great and exactly what you're looking for, because you can pay the two ahead of time and then pick up your five drop and replay it immediately. And you don't need to do both in the same turn, like pay both costs in the same turn. Right. But, you know, typically, unless you're trying to do something crazy like that, you know, the Madam Mim is going to be a lot better because you can just do it all in one turn with, you know, cheap cards.
0: All right, next up, this is one of the um, bigger rares in the set. Uh, this is Arthur, Wizard's Apprentice. This is a three-cost, not inkable, one-three, the quest for one, and the ability is called Student. When this character quests, you may return another chosen character of yours to your hand and gain two lore.
1: I think this card is incredible. Um, it effectively quests for three and you know protects another character, so it's almost like a bodyguard in a sense Mm -hmm. um or you know if you have uh jiminy cricket you know you might be able to be comboing off and getting you know your lore out of your jiminy cricket your two lore extra out of this arthur and then another card out of the jiminy cricket if you have extra inkling around for the turn this card you know is going to be like a bread and butter option in the amethyst aggro decks
0: yeah, one thing I, I want to stress is uh, I played against uh, my boy Taryn Huck out of Apex Gaming in some fun games. He was playing his Ameth- 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 Amber Amethyst deck that we've played on our Versus series before. And uh, one thing that he did that surprised me early on in our playing of Lorcana and learning the game is he used a befuddle to return a, a Lilo making a wish to his hand and then replayed it, which essentially just gave it vigilance, right? It could quest and then readied itself for just one mana. or sorry, one cost. And uh, basically what that did was just like protect it from me being able to challenge it. And when you combine that with things that have bodyguard and some cheap spot removal spells... You know, maybe it becomes much easier to keep these smaller characters around for longer, the quest for for high lore. And I could easily see Arthur, Wizard's Apprentice, being that card that just like gives you not only a burst of lore generation when you activate it, but also protects something that also generates high amounts of lore, like the two cost Pinocchio. And uh, it's going to be pretty good. All right. Next up, Fairy Godmother, Pure Heart. Three-cost Inkable, three-four, quest for one. The ability, just leave it to me. Whenever you play a character named Cinderella, you may exert chosen character.
1: Yeah, so this is another one of those, you know, defensive cards from Amethyst where you're caring about controlling the board versus, you know, getting your opponent dead. Um, It'll be interesting to see this. This card, I think, will be really important for Amber Amethyst, you know, mid-range decks where there's no... We, we did just get now some, you know, direct targeted removal in those colors. But previously, the only way for Amber Amethyst to remove a character was via a challenge. And so this these cards that can exert your opponent's stuff are really important for being able to remove your opponent's characters. Because, you know, as, as they get higher on lore counts, you know, you might have to kill a ready character or lose the game. And, you know, this helps you do that.
0: Look, I was already putting the Wardrobe in a few of my decks just to see if a 3-cost three 3-4 three, body was any good. It was fine, you know, and now we have one that has an ability.
1: Oh man. Pour one out for, for my boy, the Wardrobe.
0: Your boy. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to have the next iteration of Madam Mim. This one's the Fox. 3-cost Inkable, 4-3, the Quest for 1. That's a pretty good stat line. Chasing the rabbit. When you play this character, banish her or return another chosen character of yours to your hand. So you're seeing this MIMS ability is a gate mechanic where you have to return something of yours back to your hand. And it can't be the MIMS itself in order to prevent, I would assume, some sort of like bounce your own thing a million times combo that might happen in the future. Uh, And it has rush, so it can challenge on the turn you play it. Uh, People talked about this straight up replacing Rafiki in a lot of decks, I don't agree. I think Rafiki um, not needing to play one and two drop characters makes it superior as a defensive measure. But this Madam Mim being able to bounce something and having the ability to be big and challenge things kind of makes it work well in your Amethyst aggressive decks as your like one piece of defensive tech.
1: Yeah, so I think Rafiki on the whole is a better card and we'll see probably more overall play. But this card is a slam-dunk inclusion for the Amethyst Aggro decks because you do get that upside of protecting your, your you know, Lilo making a wish and cards similar mm-hmm. in your, your archetype. And a huge issue for those decks was they needed to play a card like Rafiki to have some anti-aggro plans in their aggressive deck. But the huge cost was... You know, those early lore generators that are under costed are all uninkable, and so is Rafiki. So you were just hitting this, the ceiling on your uninkables really early on in your deck building without getting any like really high power level for the mid and late game. And Madam Mim fixes that, where, you know, now you have this kind of, it's almost additional upside on your Rafiki with a better stat line and it's inkable.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up is the counterpart for this iteration of Meta mims and that's Merlin Crab. This form is a three-cost inkable. 3-3 three, three the quest for one. Pretty good stats. Ready or not, when you play this character and when he leaves play, chosen character gains Challenger 3 this turn. So adds into that really defensive nature that they're trying to play here. It's almost like they have two sides of the of the color at odds with each other, one that's trying to quest for high amounts of lore, and another which is trying to exert things and challenge them. Yeah,
1: I was just noticing that exact same you know synergy and dissynergy that you were pointing out, and I noticed that they're actually doing it with Merlin and Mims. Yeah, where it's like you know they're like the two leaders of the color almost. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, the- I think this card is is pretty sweet. It's more like
0: a, a snapshot of of the movie that they're from because the I, I believe it's Sword in mm-hmm. the Stone. They they meet in the forest and they're they're like showing how powerful they are by turning into these characters. And Merlin's like, I'll turn into this thing and show you how strong I am, or how I, I, I'm so fast I can run away. And then Madame Mim's is like, Nah, I'm gonna get you, <laughs> I'm gonna get you. And uh, this iteration of the crab, you know, it's gonna come down and and be nice to like be a challenger. But it's clear that like the Merlin cards go into a certain deck and the Mims cards go into a different type of deck. Next up is uh Yizma without beauty sleep. This is another three cost three for the quest for one. Nothing to see here. Poor,
1: poor wardrobe. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, Yzma, uh, I, Yzma, I will say Yizma is good for shifting, where wardrobe is not.
0: We're getting to that. We're getting to that. <laughs> what to me? Okay, I until recently I had never watched Emperor's New Groove*, and to be quite frank, I turned it off after about thirty minutes because David Spade's pop culture jokes just like oh. aged very poorly. Oh, yeah, like, that makes sense. Uh, the so there, there's this thing that happens in um I, I, in media, I guess, uh, specifically in fiction, where the characters can act like. They would act in their setting or they can act like I would act in that setting considering my life experiences and all of my jokes would just go over everyone's head because they don't know the things I'm referencing. And Mm -hmm. so in Aladdin, for example, uh, the genie does that a lot. And it's, it would be more annoying if the genie wasn't literally creating them as he's doing them as a joke Whereas in some of the other Disney movies, they just make jokes that are pop culture references to our world, and it just doesn't make any sense. And the, like the third or fourth time David Spade did it, I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. This is just like not that fun. <laughs> anyway, but uh, Yizma uh, is, uh, is you know the antagonist of the movie, and there is a big shift when we're coming up on soon here. But next up, we're going to move on to this Gruesome and Grim. This is an action, and it's a song, and it costs three, and it's not inkable. And it says, play a character with costs four or less for free. They gain rush. At the end of the turn, banish them. What do you think? I think it's a sweet card
1: that, you know, as time goes, it's going to be a card to keep your eye on for, hey, this might be busted in the future. But right now, I don't, I don't see it.
0: This is like just in time, but uh, slightly more restrictive, and the character dies. <laughs> I yeah, despise this card.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not even like you're going to get like great pressure because the character can't quest. So it's just, it's like a bad removal spell.
0: What I Yeah, what's going to be really the thing that people have to figure out is, is there any character that costs four or less that when it dies, it does something outrageous? And if you pair this with like the one cost uh, Cinderella Singer, you can sing Gruesome and Grim on turn two, and then that allows you to put something in play that costs four, and then it'll die during the end of turn. Now, in Magic, we have something called Footsteps of the Goryeo, which is very similar to this, where it brings something back from the graveyard for one turn cycle. And then at the end of the turn, it sacrifices itself and dies again. And so you pair that with things that have incredible abilities when they go to the graveyard or when they're sacrificed or whatever. And uh, Gruesome and Grim just reminds me a little bit of that. But until they make like a four drop that says when it dies, you know, draw six cards and put a big character from your hand into play, Gruesome and Grim ain't it. Not only does it die at the end of turn, but it also gains rush, not the ability to quest. So just miss me with this piece of crap. All right. Next up, Sorcerer Spellbook. Three costs, non-inkable, has the ability Knowledge. Uh, Exert it and pay one ink to gain one lore.
1: Todd, I got good news. What? You probably don't have to watch Ruby Amethyst Mirrors going to time anymore.
0: (laughs) You think they're all going to play one of this, or do you think it's going to be like a four of?
1: I hope so. If they keep playing the deck, <laughs> uh, I I don't think it's going to be a four of. I think you know one, maybe two, because uh, it is you know for select matchups. But I I am happy for you know smooth of the the ease of tournaments, going, not going to time every round. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm happy the, to see this card. The
0: stronger the cards get, right, the more quickly they're able to end the game, and uh, as you continue to make 200 cards every three months, you're going to start to see some really interesting ways to win the game. And I think that uh, this is just one of them. And uh, I'm I'm hoping that it's good, but it's kind of expensive and it's not inkable. If it was inkable, it would be 100% four of in a lot of Amethyst decks, very strong. Not inkable makes that slightly different story, I think. Uh Next up, a not as exciting card. This is One of my favorite characters, Dr. Facilier, this is the Savvy Opportunist. Uh, Four cost, inkable 4-2, the quest for one, and it has evasive. So I I think this card actually
1: has some potential. um, Being, you know, a kind of a side shift to Pongo. Or not Pongo, uh, uh, Jetsam. Jetsam, that's the one. Uh, Where, you know, this is an evasive body that is better defensively at challenging something like Goofy that's a 3-4 evasive where, you know, this can actually trade off and acts as, you know, pseudo removal for that type of effect. And, you know, we have a big Facilier to shift on top of this. And the thing holding that Facilier back in my mind, because that card is kind of absurd, is that it didn't have an actually good body to shift onto where this body still isn't like actually good but is much more passable than the, the two we've had previously.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up, Elsa Gloves Off. Four cost inkable, 3-4, quest for one, and has challenger plus three. So when it uh, challenges, it's got six power, or, and, uh, or six strength, rather. Uh, what do you think about this one?
1: Uh, I think it's like a, a solid role player you might play one or two of in your, your uh, Elsa Spirit of Winter decks where you know it's early removal, essentially, and gives you a ship target. But nothing to write home about.
0: Yeah, anything that has Challenger, to me, uh, really needs to be compared to uh, Hook, Forceful Duelist, and uh, Prince Eric. These steel cards are essentially the top of their class in terms of how they can challenge early on and how they trade up early on. And Elsa Gloves Off is a four-cost character that can trade up into like a six-drop or whatever. But like, that's not really what I'm in the mood for on a four-drop. I want something that does high-impact, turns the corner, makes your opponent really just like, Ugh! and <laughs> this is not it. Your opponent can basically ignore this card. It only quests for one.
1: Honestly, that's something we could talk on briefly anyway, is just in general, four-drops are actually in a weird, really weird spot in Lorcana, where if you look at a bunch of deck lists, there aren't actually good 4-drops in any decks. All the 4-drops are in this really weird space where they get kind of sat on by the 5-drops because all the 5-drops are really good, and the shift characters that, you know, for the most part, cost 4 when they're shifted. So these 4-drops are actually in this weird kind of bubble where they're better than the 3-drops, but, like, they're not actually better on rate than the other things that can happen. But I think that Elsa actually is in a unique space where she does trade up and, you know, she threatens to trade with a, a Tinkerbell Giant Fairy or eat a Stitch Rockstar and survive, you know. She she actually threatens to do these powerful things while being, you know, a reasonable body and, you know, might actually see some play as a result.
0: All right, moving on. This is the next iteration of Merlin. This one's the GOAT. Uh, four costs four, three, Inkable, quest for one. And the ability is Here I Come! When you play this character and when he leaves play, gain a lore. This is my pick for one of the top five cards in the set. On an uncommon? I mean, the ability. Okay, first of all, gain a lore when it comes into play is excellent. That's just an excellent ability. If it had no other abilities, that would be good enough. But when your opponent challenges it and banishes it, you get a lore. When you bounce it, you get a lore. And if you bounce it and can replay it with their MIMS effects, then you're able to essentially burn your opponent out from a much lower starting lore total than you might normally be able to. Mm -hmm. And it's going to just pressure your opponent in spots where they just might not be able to do anything about it. And it's just a unique effect that we just don't have. And so I I just think it's an excellent aggressive card.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't think I would have it in my top five, but I do think this is just a slam dunk auto-include for every aggressive Amethyst deck. should just have four of these, which is also kind of weird because I just talked about the weird spot that four drops are in and that we didn't really have any good ones, but <laughs> well,
0: now, now we I do. do. Yeah. Uh, next up, another four-drop Merlin. This one's the rabbit. Uh, this one is four-cost, uninkable, uh, two-three quest for one with the ability Hoppity-Hip. When you play this character and when he leaves play, you may draw a card. So similar to the GOAT, but instead of lore, it's card draw, not inkable, smaller stats. Tell me about it.
1: Yeah, I think this card is in a weird place because it's not what you want in the aggressive decks because you don't want a bunch of fours. And we just talked about Merlin GOAT, which is going to be like an auto-include in the aggressive decks at four and is inkable. And, you know, this card isn't really what you want in a control deck either because the control decks don't want to invest their uninkables into something so low impact. You know, they need big things like Ursula and Elsa Spirit of Winter. So I think this card, if it's going to find a home, is actually going to be in the more mid rangey decks that, you know, need to play to the board, trade off in challenges, and then get underneath the control decks a bit. And this card does all of those things pretty well. Um, so, you know, if we're going to see this card, that's where it's going to be in my mind. Um... And I do think the card's pretty good. You know, it, it threatens to draw. It gets one card, and then it's going to get a second card at some point in the game.
0: Right. Uh, next up, another iteration of Merlin. This is the Shapeshifter, his original form. Four-cost Inkable, 1-5, the quest for one, with the ability Battle of Wits. Whenever one of your other characters is returned to your hand from play, This character gets plus one lore generation this turn. So, with all those MIMS abilities, with the Christopher Robin that returns something to your hand, is it Christopher Robin? No, I'm sorry. It was Prince Arthur. Which one returned? Prince Arthur. Prince Arthur Arthur. returned. Arthur returns the things to your hand. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Merlin here threatens to gain extra lore. One five stats, quest for one. Not that exciting on the front of it.
1: Yeah, I think this, this card is really just a pipe dream. (laughs) <laughs> like, this is a sweet, fun theme deck. Uh, I do not think it's going to be of, like, the the density of power level that it's going to need to be to be, like, a competitive mainstream. Um, but it's a sweet card, and it'll definitely be super fun if you're doing, like, sealed or draft. And, you know, you get this early and can, like, really build around it. That's where it's going to really shine.
0: Yeah, I I think it's one of those cards where it has enough willpower where it might actually be able to quest twice. And so one turn, you know, you bounce a thing, you quest for two. Another turn, you bounce a thing, you quest for two again. That's really where you're going to see it do some really cool stuff. But in the future, I foresee having more things that can return to your hand. And so, you know, that might just make him some sort of extra powerful finisher in a deck that caps out at four. And that's something that's relatively exciting to me next up uh this is peter Pan's shadow not sewn on four costs non-inkable two three quest for two has evasive great stat so far has rush that's pretty cool and it says your other characters with rush gain evasive so your rush characters like maui can challenge things that have evasive
1: Yeah, so I think this card is ultimately going to be held back by the fact that it's uninkable, which, you know, that is already a pretty big barrier to clear. So, you know, it's, it's already fighting for spots in a deck, and then couple that with how this card is being wanted to be played is at tension with Simba Protective Cub, where this card really wants to come down eat a small character, and then just quest the rest of the game, mm-hmm. right? And Simba Protective Cub immediately puts a wrench in that plan.
0: That's true. I, I think that, uh, you know, obviously Protective Cub is, like, the marquee aggressive card for Amber, but I I think over time, you know, there's going to be other aggressive decks that don't play Amber, and Peter Pan Shadow being a 2-3 with Rush that has evasive means that being able to challenge something and then not being able to be finished off on the way back... Definitely very cool. Maybe Peter Pan Shadow pairs nicely with, you know, Hook Forceful Duelist, for example. And so you have things like Hook Duelist and, and Prince Eric on two that allow you to challenge Simba so that when you do actually get to play the Pan Shadow, it can do some serious work. But I don't see this being better than uh either of the Merlin's that cost four, the rabbit or the uh the one that gains lore when you play it and when it leaves play. So uh an interesting card we'll see i mean it is one of the bigger rares in the set so maybe we're wrong it's always good to to have uh a one opinion on something but be open to to changing it when you have more context and when you actually get to play with the card some uh next up we're moving on to binding contract this is a four cost item non-inkable says for all eternity uh exert it and then exert one of your characters to exert Another chosen character. A lot of exerting going on, but it's like tap two things to tap a thing.
1: Yeah, so I think this card is probably not going to see much play just because it is uninkable. But it does add that element that we were talking about before where, you know, Amethyst decks can struggle when they don't have access to direct removal and your opponent is close to winning and they just keep playing these big characters late in the game. You gotta exert them to get them down. And if that is a problem you find yourself in and having regularly. This might be a card to look forward to, you know. But I would probably just put more Elsa Spirit of Winter in my deck. Yeah, for sure. And if that's not enough, I don't know what's going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, next up, uh, Fairy Godmother here to help. This is a five-cost inkable, 3-7, the quest for two. No abilities, but some pretty good stats. 3-7, questing for two. It's quite large.
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know if this stat line is quite good enough. You know, people made fun of me for playing Maleficent Uninvited, and that card is great. But Plus for three. Really the, yeah, exactly. The the third point of lore is really the selling point on that mm-hmm. card, and people were already, you know, like, are you sure that's good enough? And, you know, the extra point of willpower does not make up for an extra point of lore, I tell you that.
0: No, it doesn't. Uh, all right, moving on. This is another iteration of Fairy Godmother. This one might be pretty good. This one's uh, ultra rare uh fairy godmother mystic armorer a five cost inkable three four quest for two has shift for two and we do know that there's a a smaller fairy godmother i think uh Mm -hmm. says forget the coach here's a sword whenever this character quests your characters gain challenger three and when this character is banished in a challenge return this card to your hand this turn so long story short once you quest with fairy godmother all your stuff challenges plus 3 and you get the Do- doctor facilia ability where they come back to your hand if your opponent taps out and quests a bunch and leaves themselves vulnerable fairy godmother can come down and obliterate their board position
1: yeah so what i i foresee happening and it's it's really it's going to happen like twice ever to somebody and then they're just as soon as there's the the smaller fairy godmother in play they're just not going to quest Because what's going to happen is they're going to shift this fairy godmother onto their smaller one, quest with it, everything's going to get challenger, murder all their stuff, and then they're going to play one of the cards that picks up their fairy godmother, and it'll pick up both of them. And then they're going to have like 10 (laughs) cards in hand, and you're not going to have a board, and you're going to be dead.
0: Yeah, very cool card is fairy godmother mystic armor. It'll be interesting to see uh, how it turns out. Moving on, this is another iteration of Madame Mim. This is the rival of Merlin, her human form. Five cost, inkable 2-5 as shift 3, and uh, the ability is gruesome and grim. Uh, You exert it to play a character with cost 4 or less for free. They gain rush and at the end of turn, banish them. This, this is the activated ability version of the other card we just talked about. This costs 5 and is inkable. The song we were talking about Cost three and is not inkable i i think this card's awesome but but mostly because it's a repeatable effect and the card mm-hmm. itself is inkable
1: yeah couldn't agree more i think this card it's one you have to play with really to truly understand how powerful it is and if it's just oh yeah i use it once and then it gets challenged off the board because it's a two five uh this isn't going to be that great but you know it shifts pretty early, so you can get an early advantage. There's a ton of things you can put in that, you know, they get a trigger when they come in, and when they leave, you get you can get a lot of good effects and uses out of this. And, you know, if, if your thing is coming in and rushing and just banishing anyway, the banish them downside isn't even relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a card that could be very powerful, and I'm excited to play with it and find out.
0: Next up, uh, Pinocchio on the run. This is a five-cost uninkable 3-3, the quest for two, has shift three, and has the ability to listen to your conscience. When you play this character, you may return chosen character or item with cost three or less to their player's hand. So this thing comes in, bounces an opposing small character or item, uh, and with that shift, it can be relatively cheap and a quest for two. I I like this card quite a bit, but uh, I don't see myself shifting with it too much because one of the Pinocchios is rather weak in my opinion, and the other one, Quest for Three. And unless you desperately need to bounce something, I think that uh, you're going to leave that one, the Quest for Three, on the table quite a bit. But five cost bounce something's pretty good.
1: Yeah, so I think that's a weird tension that we haven't seen very much with the way Chapter One was constructed, with all the shift cards, which we we just saw actually with uh, Fairy Godmother too. She shifts onto a three cost three for the Quest for One, and she's a five cost three for the Quest for Two. So, like, you're, you're not really upgrading your stats very much. Where this Pinocchio, you know, you're beefing up your your strength and your willpower, but you're actually lowering your lore in a lot of cases. And I think, you know, what we might actually see with this is you quest for three with your small one, and then you shift uh-huh. after you've quested think about that. to that's bounce a their attacker, yeah. and then you're still way ahead on board because you have the 3-3 three, three that's questing for two, and you you kind of sucked up their turn. Um, that's the play pattern I do envision for this. What I what I think is actually going to be the problem is whether you're going to be wanting to put this five drop uninkable in your deck when, you know, if, say you' amethyst emerald, you're going to be competing with like Cusco at five, right? That's already an uninkable. So there's going to be a lot of tension there outside of the normal tension of the card in that you're, you know, kind of side grading your your shift instead of upgrading with it um so just something to keep in mind
0: all right next up uh winnie the pooh the honey wizard this is a five cost inkable five five the quest for two this was i think the first card they revealed from uh rise of the floodborne chapter two and uh it's relatively low impact all things considered but it has nice stats five five for five and a quest for two what do you think about the honey man not a very
1: constructed power level card, unfortunately.
0: Uh, I do love the Honey, though. I do love so. Honey as well. All right. Uh, this is maybe my favorite Amethyst card uh, we'll talk about next. It's Yizma Scary Beyond All Reason. This is a six-cost Inkable 4-4, four, four, the quest for two. It has Shift 4, so it can shift on one of the cheaper Yizmas. And Cruel Irony, when you play this character, shuffle another chosen character card into their player's deck and that player draws two cards. That means you can target your own thing to draw two or your opponent's thing to get rid of a scary minion and allow them to draw two. And uh overall I think it's just very cheap and and pretty solid and I could definitely see myself banishing my own characters with this quite a bit just to draw two cards.
1: Yeah, this is a a card that's strange because and hard to evaluate because the when you're targeting your opponent's characters, right? Giving them two cards is way too big of a downside in the vast majority of cases to really want to be doing that. So really you're looking at how do I gain the advantage of, all right, I'm going to get rid of my character and draw two extra cards. And while that is very enticing, the aggressive decks aren't necessarily wanting exactly that, right? Because when you get rid of your character, it gives your opponent tempo because they don't actually have to challenge that character that's gone now. Right. Which actually is, a lot of times when you're just racing anyway, worth almost a full card anyway. So this card is in a weird space for me where I don't know how it's it's really going to line up in a lot of situations, and I'm excited to see it in the games to figure that out.
0: No, same here. Um, you know, this is a type of effect that's, pretty rare on cards when they come down, like banish something. And so if it's cheaper than Maleficent, monstrous dragon, it has to have a significant downside. And when you compare it to things of similar cost, uh, Hades, uh, infernal schemer puts it into the ink. Well, for example, it's not inkable at seven. And so it has some significant tension with other uninkables in, uh, Sapphire, such as Mickey mouse detective. And, uh, in, amethyst right we have no removal at all and so this is one of the first removal spells where we can play and have an amethyst answer to a large opposing character but if your opponent doesn't have anything worth killing you can squish your own hee hee is it hee hee or hey 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 hey. you can squish your own hey hey it'll come back to your hand you'll draw two cards and then you know at some point you know maybe this starts to look like an amethyst amber stitch rock star deck with hey hey Right? And that comes back to your hand a bunch. Maybe that's a way to, to take it. But uh, overall, I think the card's certainly very cool. And I like that it adds uh, a little bit of, of buff to the other Yizmas that exist. Uh, after seeing a little bit of uh, Emperor's New Groove, she was very clearly the best character.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, the best character is Crunk. You just didn't make it
0: far enough into the movie. Every dude, he's like. Uh, He's just big, dumb, evil. I don't like big, dumb, evil. I mean, maybe he he's gets, not big, dumb, evil. Well, he starts you, off big, you dumb, didn't get evil far enough okay. in the movie. Whatever. You go into
1: his whole Boy Scout.
0: No background.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. OK. Oh, yeah.
0: All right. Whatever. Fair play. Fair play. Maybe I have to go finish it. Uh, all right. We get to the last card in Amethyst. This is the big baddie Madame Mem purple dragon. Seven cost inkable. Five, seven quest for four. Huge stats. As evasive, even huger. Uh, I win, I win! That's the name of the ability. It says, when you play this character, banish her or return another two chosen characters of yours to your hand. So, a pretty steep cost to cast this one. Not only seven ink, but returning two characters? That's kind of gross, man.
1: Yeah, so this card is also in a very weird place in that it looks like it would be best in aggressive decks, but the aggressive decks now really don't want to be getting up to seven ink, so it's it's really going to be really good against like sapphire decks. But then returning the characters isn't all that great against like a deck like sapphire. And then this card, you know, where you gravitate is like, oh, this is amazing against be prepared, right? Like I can play my giant threat and pick up my other threats, so they have to be prepared me. But then you just walk right into a dragon fire. And then you have to spend a whole turn redeploying and then you're going to get beat prepared. And then you're going to spend a whole turn redeploying and then you're going to get Elsa and you're just going to hate yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty obvious that they wanted this card to be like a big focal point finisher for the MIM cycle. I think it really missed the mark. I think that returning mm-hmm. two is a, a huge drawback. The ability is, is cool. Questing for four being a large thing that has evasive, you know, that's nice, but when you start actually playing the games, you realize that A, you don't have two characters return, or B, if you return two characters, you're so far behind on board that you're dead. And C, this has no form of protection other than evasive. So spot removal like Dragonfire, Hades Infernal Schemer, Maleficent Monstrous Dragon, all just kind of knock this down. And they're very happy that you picked up those two characters. So yeah, I think this card,
1: granted, Ward is not in flavor for Amethyst so far that we've seen. I think this card would be probably solid to maybe very good if it had Ward, where you could insulate from a Be Prepared, and then they basically have to be prepared it or give you four lore. Mm -hmm. That, I think, would give this card plenty of good tension
0: going for it instead of going against it. All right. Well, uh, that is going to do it for Amethyst. Before we go, I'd like to say thank you to our sponsor, Games and Comics Parodice. They're a game store out of Fairfax, Virginia. They're your one-stop shop for all things related to TCGs from Pokemon to Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic the Gathering, and now Disney's Lorcana. Make sure to check out gcparadise.com. Find your singles, find anything you need for your next upcoming event. Uh, Games of Comics Paradise also does regular uh, tournaments for Disney's Lorcana, So make sure to check out their website for information on their upcoming events. Uh I'm Tandy of the Lost Boys that's Harlan that's that's Harlan of the Lost Boys say bye Harlan
1: bye Harlan